You're listening to Rewire with Susan, the podcast for you to learn software development topics in the most simple way and acquire some guidance for your career in tech. Strap up and let's go. Here's your host, Susan. Hey guys, welcome to Rewire with Susan. I have someone special here today. Um, My boss is right here with us. I'm literally so nervous right now. Um, so I'm here with the former head of engineering at Guest Logics, currently an advisor. Um, so welcome, Mads. It's a delight to have you here. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm very excited to uh, spend the next hour with you. Awesome, awesome. So do you mind just like introducing yourself, um, talking about what you do currently, your engineering background, and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so I've been uh, I've been writing software uh, for a, a quite a long time since I was a little kid, actually. Um, I've had a number of careers, although I seem to keep winding up back in software. So this is ideally where I belong. Uh, I've done all the things uh, from from level two help desk in a chemical plant, uh, running around with a gas mask on to uh, building and running teams uh, it more more recently. Um, I've done X Prize competitions. Uh, I've done product management as well, uh, but most of my time has really been in uh, software development and engineering. Right, right. So I, I want to believe like you kind of transition from individual contribution to managing engineers. So was there something that you discovered about yourself that actually made you decide to start managing humans? <laughs> well, well, the, the, the funny thing is, um, I, I always seem to be the, the only person in the room who had done any work with enterprise software, as well as had a background in consulting where I could talk to customers right. pretty comfortably. And, and so those things sort of made me, you know, maybe I'm not smarter than anybody else, but it would seem that I could do things that other people couldn't do, including my superiors uh, at times. So I wound up just sort of being asked into these positions, Uh, whether I was hired as a contractor or if I was just brought on as a software engineer, I Mm -hmm. very quickly just wound up running the the show. So it wasn't wasn't a grand plan by any means. I had no interest in doing (laughs) that sort of thing, but uh, you know, it's, it's just, it was also a bit frustrating when nobody's in charge. And so mm. I just, okay, I'll do it. And, right. and you know, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great stuff to doing management that I, you know, I never really thought about until I actually wound up in it. Right. So I think that will take me to the next thing I was actually thinking about, which is what would you say your um, leadership style was when you, you know, started managing teams versus right now? How did that transition over the years? Well, it, you know, it started off as the way it, it sort of is now, which is very hands off. Um, you know, and, and very much sort of trust and verify approach to, mm-hmm. to working with people. You know, I think there's a coaching aspect to it in terms mm-hmm. of helping people sort of find their way towards their own personal growth. But, right. but ultimately, ultimately, there's no right way to do things in, in software engineering. There's, there's a handful of, of, of not so terrible ways to do things. And, <laughs> and, and so, you know, just because I think there's a great way to do something doesn't necessarily mean that's the best way or the, the right. least worst way. So it's good to just step back sometimes and, and and not worry too much about it and just make mm-hmm. sure that that people aren't driving the car off the road. <laughs> 
<laughs> Interesting. So I'm sure this is probably like a common question that you get all the time, um, considering that you've been in software engineering for quite a long time. And of course, fast changing software tools, technologies. How are you able to kind of stay fresh while still managing engineers? Or do you just not <laughs> care so much? <laughs> uh, I, no, I, I think it's important. I think it's important to, to, I mean, for me, it's important. I don't know that's important for everybody. There are certainly plenty of people who don't stay fresh that are super effective. Um, it's a personal choice for me. I like tinkering. I like knowing what's going on. Uh, even if I'm, I am so hands-off, like I, I want to be able to know how to do something. Uh, so for me, I mean, I think I look at Hacker News probably five times a day to see what people are interested in. Right. Uh, and and at least once a day, I'm, I'm going deep into one of those links to say like, hey, this is this is a really cool technology or approach or philosophy. And, and then going deep into into that, I, I do write code um, on a regular basis as you know, as a hobbyist, I, I want to try things. I've been messing around with Selenium WebDriver uh, in Python um more recently for instance trying to figure out how to crawl uh Vue.js and React which are you know not traditionally easily crawlable um mm -hmm. front end frameworks right and so that you know those pose challenges and and so for me it it sort of helps me learn a whole bunch of things including testing as well as uh you know like reactive front ends not something mm -hmm. that I spend a lot of time with so um you know, that's just something that I, you know, another thing that I do is I like to tinker. Even when I was at Guess Logics, I wrote code that is deployed into production just because right. sometimes you need to get things moving along. And with a small team like that, there's just too much to do to, to necessarily delegate everything because right. things wouldn't get done on time. So I'd say, I'd say that's, that's really important for me. And then, you know, I read, I read books less frequently and blogs less frequently. You know, I, I think there are a handful of books that I read about leadership and I reread them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like uh, Managing Humans by Michael Lott is, or Lop, I think, is a fantastic book on, on the different types of personalities within the technology world. Um, Right. And, and and a bunch of things like that, right, which I'll I'll go back to and, and reread from time to time. So uh, and then, you know, talking to people um, from various walks of life, whether it's software or other, you know, manufacturing. I worked in food service for a long time. So, you know, talking to people about management in, in food services is, is very it's different, but the same as as what we do. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's, that's, those are things that I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do them because I enjoy doing it. Great. So I was wondering, um, piggybacking off of that, what are your thoughts about a non-technical person leading an engineering team? I, I think there's, I think there's room for that. I think it has to be the right kind of person. Um, one of my first bosses was not technical at all. And I mean, he's, he's been running engineering teams for 30 years, but he was, a, he started as a recruiter. So he learned he, by interviewing people, he learned to, he learned the tech, the, the terminology, right. and he learned how to tell if people were being honest with him. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and to what level of, of, of honesty they were giving him, right. 
Right. Now, even in terms of like timelines, you know, and, and if you do that over and over and over again, you you get good at it um, or you can get good at it. And he did. So so I certainly think it's possible. And he's definitely one of the better bosses that I, that I had. And I don't know to this day that he's ever written any code at all uh, or done anything technical per se. He's just he's just quite good. He's got a high EQ. Uh, and so I think that's super important. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, for me being technical is it's helpful, but it's really not everything. You know, it's really just a third of, of the job of, mm -hmm. of running engineering teams is the technology. I mean, the process, which has some technology impact, you know, like how do you how do you make sure that people are super efficient? And, you know, how do you make sure that people are uh in the best position to get their work done. And then there's the people side too, right? Like, how do you make sure that people are excited to come into work every day? Yeah. You know? And I don't think you need to be technical to, to solve those problems. I think you just need to be open-minded and you need to listen. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely agree with, especially the part about being empathetic. Um, yeah. I think like once there's just that respect for other people and trust, that element of trust then yeah. Um, so. I was thinking about like over the, my short <laughs> period as an engineer, quite up to six years now, it took me some time and some personal research to actually figure out that one-on-ones shouldn't just be status updates <laughs> alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, when, so as a manager, when you have like conversations with engineers, what are some of the things you think they could talk more about that would be of utmost use to the engineers, their managers, and the team as well. Yeah, so I, I do think that oftentimes they they are status updates, um, and you know, I even I'm guilty of that too, right? Mm -hmm. Have have I done the best job that I can in terms of you know pulling out of of the person sitting across the table from me, right? The you know the thing that maybe they want to talk about but you know, but aren't ready to, or that they haven't even thought about that they should talk about, um, right. you know, and, and to some extent, maybe that's okay. Sometimes it's not necessarily my job to make people do things they don't want to do, or they're not ready to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a status update is fine. Right. But, but, but I, I think there are oftentimes, you know, like is the person, is the person that you're working with, are they, are they excited to, to get up in the morning and sit down and start working? Right. Or are they not? Right. And then, and so how do you, how do you get someone there? You know, what, what is it that makes a person and each person's different, right? What makes a person tech, what makes them want to want to do better and do more and, and be excited, you know, and, and trying to understand what, how to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. whether it's moving into a new position or trying something new or 20% time or taking a break uh, or, or mentoring others themselves. Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to at least poke around and, and, and see what's there uh, on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. And I mean, I, I see what you mean, especially when it comes to even identifying why you want to get up to like get to work in the morning and all because I feel like sometimes you can't even figure out like what the issue is for yourself until yeah. you actually have that conversation like talking to someone and trying to figure like how you could be better you know supported and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. 
And and I think you know take you take like you know guest logics for example uh, you know where 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 we're both working right now and for me every day it was you know I'm going to go on to Slack and I'm going to see who's talking about what because I love the team and I love the people and mm-hmm. I want to be a part of whatever they're a part of you know and for and for some people. Uh, you know, on the team, I think they wake up and they say, what can I write a test for? Right. You know, how can I make this less broken? And that's what excites them. Right. (laughs) So, and you and I know who those people are. (laughs) (laughs) There's some people that that want to build machine learning systems. Right. And that's what they were morning to say, right. How can I automate things? Right. And there's, Well, they do that, right? And and so uh, you know, it's 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 all different. But but I think at the at the end of the day, it, it's great if each person has something that they can look forward to. Absolutely. By the way, fun fact: Matt is a renowned chef. Um, he's been trained at the. I did some digging, <laughs> and I noticed <laughs> he's been trained at the Culinary Institute of America, and also partnered in a new Toronto restaurant where he was the head chef. So, Matt, could you share what was the best part of doing that for you? So it's the people. I mean, it's working with the people, and that's the, the restaurant business has this reputation of you know uh, developing. And Bourdain writes about this a lot too, which is which is neat. Um, developing this camaraderie with people that you're under pressure constantly, and you've got to get stuff out to customers, mm-hmm. and everything has to be at least in the places where I worked pretty perfect. You know, right. so you know every everything mattered. Every detail mattered. It didn't matter if the customer saw it or not. Even if it was in the kitchen, like it had to be perfect. And and so doing that and being really busy and being the temperatures being really really hot. Um, <laughs> you know, you 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 develop a lot of empathy. You know, mm. not just with the kitchen staff, right? I worked front of the house too, right? With with the dining room staff too, right? It's it's a it's a grind, but it's a good grind. And so it, you know, you really sort of develop uh, a sense of a sense of family uh, with the team. And if you if you have the the pleasure of working in the dining room, you really start to understand people if, if you're there for any length of time and and learn how to talk to them in a way that's not you know robotic, right? Where you're you're having a conversation but you're not interrupting them, you know. So it's. Uh, it was just a it was a great part of my life and and with three children it's not a, a part i'm going to go back to but uh i'm happy to cook uh for people that come over to the house now so yeah. that's good. and i feel like that also kind of was useful for even managing um like an engineering team like some of those skills <laughs> with yeah yeah you know, it's, it, it's interesting because with the kitchen i the kitchen is very much like doing a TV or a radio show. You know, you spend your day getting your stuff together and you have to prepare everything. It's got to be perfect or perfect enough for the first bunch of diners that come in. Right. right? And whatever it is they're going to order. And then you're moving nonstop and you better be ready. Right. With with software, it's a little bit different. Right. Because, you know, oh well, you know, we're, we're, I guess we'll just deploy this change tomorrow. Right. So it's a little it's a little less strenuous, but when you come from an environment where you have to have things perfect and they have to be repeatable and they have to be ready on time every day, it's it's something that you sort of carry with you uh in terms of like showing up prepared and 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 having an attention to detail. 
that right. certainly I didn't have before I started working for certain people in the restaurant business who made it very clear to me very early on that, you know, having a, a, a crooked little piece of napkin underneath a tray that nobody <laughs> see except me is not acceptable <laughs> because the minute you let one little tiny thing slip, everything slips. Yeah. Right. And it was really sort of that mindset that, that gets you sort of more focused on, you know, Hey, stuff, stuff's got to be better. We've got to do better, you know? So. Awesome. So, um, back to the engineering space. <laughs> We have to I talk about that. <laughs> out of the kitchen now. Okay. So not a lot of people feel comfortable um, giving their bosses feedback. That's not great, right? Um, most people right. would just prefer to not say anything and deal with the situation quietly. What's been your approach to getting sincere feedback? I don't have a good one. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think it is a huge problem. And I, you know, I, I beg and beg and beg people to give me feedback. And it's just, sometimes it's, just impossible. Like, you know, I, I remember doing exit interviews with people that used to work at guest logics even and say like, what, what's one thing I could do better? They're like, Oh Matt, everything you did is great. great. <laughs> no, that cannot possibly be true. You know, nobody's that good. And, mm. and it just, you know, I, I don't know that I have a good answer. I think you have to sort of, if you're going to ask the person to give you feedback directly, you, you've got to like, sneak it in somehow you know like when you when you want your 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 kid or your pet to take medicine you have to like wrap it in a tree <laughs> you don't know it's there there's got to be some sort of like wrapping technique like that where they yep. they give you the feedback without knowing it yeah um, so other than like an anonymous survey i i have i have yet to solve that problem um but 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 i think it is solvable um i haven't run across anyone else who solved it but i haven't really looked closely i mean how would how would you want me to ask you to give me feedback if you can follow that <laughs> question <laughs> Susan, <laughs> give me damn feedback just say it i'm a i'm a big girl i can take it <laughs> doesn't work nobody wants to hurt anyone's feeling <laughs> Yeah, I could um, offer money, hundred dollars to the the most truthful, <laughs> most terrible thing you could say. Maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the anonymous surveys might be useful. I think people will always tend to um, respond to that if they know that they are not going to be caught. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people don't actually believe that it's anonymous, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, there's might, that as well. They might have my email attached to it, so I'm not going to write anything bad anyway. <laughs> Okay. So, um, what are the ways, some of the ways that you kind of, um, you've mentioned a book that you read, um, what are some, are there like some other ways or books that you develop your management skills, um, videos, whatnot? Watch a lot of YouTube. That's how I learned to do carpentry and a bunch of other things. <laughs> um, I don't know how good it is for, for those sorts of skills but maybe i'm watching the wrong videos um I, I think you know the other the other thing you can read or at least from my perspective is biographies um if you find biographies of people that lead i'm reading um i'm reading i think it's called the the ride of a lifetime it's um right. the, the ceo of disney um okay. his biography and sort of seeing how he dealt with a lot of issues in moving through uh media and into the disney corporation mm -hmm. um you know it, it you get you get sort of this maybe a little bit filtered but it's sort of sense of like okay well you know what does this person do when they're confronted with 
you know, some sort of situation, you know, like when the Disney bought Pixar story is a really good one. And how, uh, how Bob Iger talks about meeting with Steve Jobs and, and having this conversation about whether or not, you know, whether or not it's a, it's a good deal or a bad deal. Um, you know, and then on the other side of that, you know, him having to deal with uh, a two-year-old child being eaten by a crocodile on the Disney property and how to deal with, you know, a much more stressful and terrible situation. And, and I think you get some lessons out of, out of those sorts of things, which are, mm. which are a bit more real life than, you know, maybe not necessarily it's theoretical. Really. Yeah. Morimoto Musashi, the um, book of five rings or whatever it's called, um, right. you know, which is like a, a good sort of, or it's maybe it's the art of war, not Sun Tzu, um, you know, which are also touted to be good sort of good books, but, they're they're much more abstract mm. right and so getting getting applications might be better for, mm -hmm. for some people than you know having to translate something from the samurai days of of you know 500 years ago right but, but that's just me <laughs> so do you, uh, read, do you read anything yeah well a couple um i know that like one of the books that i read um which was actually recommended by guest logics um radical kanda um, I think it's a good read. Sharing <laughs> feedback, receiving, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's right, they did recommend it, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to wrap this up, um, I was wondering if you had like one thing that you think newbie engineering managers should keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that whatever it is you're building. You, I want to say this in a way that's not confusing. It, if you're not building systems that that are pacemakers or that keep airplanes up in the sky, don't don't take anything too too seriously because everything <laughs> can be fixed. Uh, there aren't any you know problems that you have, mm. even if even if they're even if they're terrible, they can they can still be they can still be salvaged. Right. So, so approach everything with calm if you can. And, and some of that takes time, but just keep it in mind, right? Like, you know, if, if the guest logic system goes down, nobody's going to die. <laughs> right. Nobody's going to die. I mean, the CEO might die if the, <laughs> the board kills him, but nobody else is going to die. So, so, you know, like it's, it's only software. Right. And one of the things I learned actually in the restaurant business after, you know, being really, really upset of, of ruining food, which you do when you cook it happens, right. Is just, you know, saying, you know, Oh, I don't, I don't want to throw this out. And, and yeah. being told like, you know what, it sucks, but it's just food, make it right and do it again and do it until you get it right. But don't worry about it. It costs $6, you know, like yeah. in the big, in the big scope of things, you want to work on getting it, making it better and not just sending out stuff that's garbage because you don't, you know, because you already made it. So hmm. I'd say sure. don't, yeah, life, life's too short to take those sorts of things super seriously, you know, and you're going to burn out too quickly if you're, if you're too wound up about everything being perfect. It's not going to be no matter what you do. So take it easy, right? You're not going to kill anybody, probably. <laughs> Absolutely. And we care about our CEO. Robin, we care about you. <laughs> yeah. Care about Robin Hopper very, very. Okay. Well, um, yeah, that's about the interview now. Um, whenever guests come here, um, I play a game with uh -huh. all guests and it's called Two Truths and a Lie. 
So I'd expect you to tell me two things that are true about you and a lie. And I'm supposed to guess which one is the lie. And of course, you're supposed to make it a bit difficult for me to guess. (laughs) So take your time. (laughs) I have won awards for playing violin. Okay. Um, My wife is eight years older than me. Okay. And I briefly started a furniture company okay and sold furniture to children ah, this is hard <laughs> so i'm just going to take a wild guess and go with the first one which is that you've won awards for playing the violin that is incorrect oh my goodness <laughs> my wife is considerably younger than me oh okay Okay. So, uh, yes, when I was a child and I still play, uh, I, I scored a perfect score at the New York State Music, uh, oh, I forget what it was, uh, something something um, competition uh, oh. for playing, playing violin. Um, my wife is 14 years younger than me. And in January, I started a furniture company called Taller Design. Uh, and we were building furniture to help kids play and, and work with adults at counters so it's oh, like wow. being taller that's yeah. great which, that's great yes yes which was way too much work uh for the amount of time i had on weekends while i was doing <laughs> so, uh, i raised money for sick kids with that and uh and then promptly said sorry i'm not going to do this anymore so oh. I, have, I have a garage full of equipment and uh i build some stuff around the house here and there do you picture yourself going back to do that anytime soon I'll build things for people once in a while. I'm going to build some stuff around the house. I owe my wife a uh, a desk for her for the bedroom, with right. a drawer, which I'm about halfway done with. But uh, yeah, too many too many things going on around here to have too many hobbies. I'm also writing music, so oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, it's just I have way too many hobbies, so I've had to trim them down. Oh. By the way, I'm excited to let you know that you're the first guest winning this game on the show. So, oh really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Here's, here's my violin. Oh wow, beautiful. That's it's, good. It's true. This whole place is full of musical instruments. Amazing. Yeah, and there's a piano underneath this laptop. Yeah. So that's those. That's the 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 truth uh the truth of it all i guess yeah i stumped you i'm so excited yeah super excited once it was really exciting nice talking to you and i deeply appreciate you taking the time to come here and share experience really appreciate it i really had a great time and thanks for having me and uh i'm happy to come back anytime and make up uh, a whole bunch of new stuff for you to get <laughs> That would be absolutely great. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susan. Yeah. Head on over to rewirewithsusan.com to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to your podcast player and drop a review if you like this show.